This episode of Adulthood Made Easy is sponsored by Next Issue. Next Issue is the new newsstand. Nextissue.com has all the best, most up-to-date magazines on the newsstand, but it's delivered to your phone or tablet. Go to nextissue.com simple for your free trial. That's a $15 savings. This is a great deal, but it's only available if you go to nextissue.com simple. Sign up today. Welcome to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel, editorial assistant at realsimple.com and clueless 23-year-old, slowly figuring out how the adult world works week by week. Every week in our Guide for Grad series, we're tackling a different issue that you, the class of 2015, is faced with right after graduation. We've talked about resumes, we've talked about cover letters, we've talked about moving, and it's time to figure out what happens when you get the email that asks you to come in for an interview. Right after graduating, I came here to New York for two weeks and set up coffee chats and interviews with so many different companies. By the time those 14 days were over, I was exhausted but I also had a job. So I know my industry might work a little differently than others and everyone has different experiences, but I felt like I was thrown into this interview circuit and was struggling to keep up. With me today is Kathleen Harris, VP Content Development at Lavo, a career network for millennials. And hopefully we can come up with a few key strategies and guidelines to keep in mind before heading to your first interview, as well as the answers to those dreaded interview questions that seem to stump everyone. And Kathleen will ask me one of the hardest interview questions you'll hear, and I will try to come up with an answer on the spot. Hi, Kathleen. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So interview season is, I guess interview season is always, but for recent grads, it's probably come up right now. And I think we can just jump right into it. And what do you think, what are the things that everyone needs to prepare before they walk into an interview? What's the best way to do your research? Anything you need to bring with you? How can you make sure that you walk in and you, you're ready to go? Well, I think what's so helpful for graduates is that they have social media at their fingertips. And True. you're able to research the company you want to work for. You're able to research the people you're going to meet. So you can really be prepared with smart questions. I mean, when you look at the company that you're interviewing at, check out their social media profile. See what they're tweeting about. See what they're sharing on Facebook. See what their message is. There might be a real nugget of information in there that you can use in your interview and really impress somebody that you know a lot about the company. And likewise about the interviewer. You know, if you look into their background and see that a specific job they had early in their history, people love to be asked how they got to where they are right now and helping them along the way with that will really make a big impression. And I think that even to narrow it down a little more, when you say to do research on a company like thinking about Real Simple as an example, what am I looking for? Because it's easy for me to go online and see, okay, Real Simple is a magazine. They started X amount of years ago. You know, here's who the editor-in-chief is. Here's who my boss is. Like, what are some good nuggets of information that you want to look for that people should be digging for on this company? Well, I think it really depends on the industry. Like, if you're in publishing or media, I think you want to know a lot about 
the target demographic of the company or of the publication. You want to know a lot about, you know, who they're talking to, what are their big initiatives. And if it's a public company like Time Inc., which owns Real Simple, you know, there's a lot of statements about the area of investment they're going for. So if it's video per se or mobile or social, you can really weave your interest in those opportunities and your experience in those areas too to really make it seem like you're a great fit for not only where the company is right now, but where they're going. Great. So let's talk about the questions. So you walk into the room and I think something everyone wants to know is you just want to know what's going to happen before it happens. No one wants to be surprised. So what are some questions that everyone can expect to be asked on any interview, almost 99.9% of the time? Well, I think 99% of the time you are going to be asked some version of tell me about yourself or what's your story or who are you? Which is so hard. Like, it's like, where do you start with that? Exactly. And I think that is the question you have to prepare ahead of time no matter what, because you will be asked that. And it's just helpful in general to have what we call your elevator pitch. So how can you summarize yourself, your story, your experience, and how that aligns with the job you're interviewing for in a fairly short soundbite, which can be tricky, which is why you have to practice it. But I would say to tackle that question, They've probably seen your resume. They most likely have seen your resume. Depends on how carefully they've read it. But Mm -hmm. I think the key is to summarize that experience in a way that talks about what really motivates you, what really energizes you, and what you're really passionate about, and how, again, that aligns with the job you're interviewing for. Can you tell me what your elevator pitch is so we can hear what a great one sounds like? So what I like to talk about is I've had my career in journalism. I went to journalism school. So, but it's not unlike a lot of people. So what I like to talk about in terms of what motivates me that I think separates me apart or just makes me me is about my love of ideas. So I like to say I love ideas, big ideas, small ideas, ideas that solve problems. And as a lifelong editor in Digital Devote, the intersection of tech And story ideas is the sweet spot for me and where I really get the most excited about. So throughout my career, I've tried to find that balance between the creativity and the brainstorming parts of jobs with the digital strategy layered on top of it to get the most people to be consuming that content. That's a great one. And I think, you know, it's probably a little bit harder for people who don't have as many, you know, a lot of previous job experience necessarily to come up with a pitch like that. But I suppose like your interests from school and and internships can kind of help you craft that. I think it can. And I think it's a lot easier to think about it in the terms of not reciting your resume, because if you are a recent grad, Yes, you may have had a handful of internships and, like you said, like extracurriculars and things like that, but what's the, what's the line through them all? Like, what, why have you done these things? And what is, besides trying to get a job, obviously, right. but what is, what's really driving you there? So if you were, you know, in a sorority or if you were on the school newspaper or things like that, what type of leadership roles and 
Was it the volunteering experience that you were most passionate about and you realized that helping others and growing a business is really where your passion lies? I think you can definitely weave together past experience, whether you were you know, working in a grocery store versus summer camp versus actually having an internship at a magazine. I feel like you can use all those experiences to really talk about the person you are. Perfect. Now, you mentioned this when you were talking about like designing the elevator pitch, but one thing is, is they probably have your resume or you've brought your resume with you. It's in front of them. You should definitely bring your resume. I will say that in terms of the first question, I've had instances where I think some people assume because they've emailed the resume that you just have it at your fingertips. And I never have it at my fingertips. So I really think you should bring your resume and multiple copies, too, because you never know when you're going to get passed on to other people as well. Like, I've had instances where I've fallen in love with a candidate so quickly, I've said, hey, I want you to meet our CEO right now, you know? And I know it could be kind of shocking, and but you kind of have to be prepared for anything. So if you only brought one copy of your resume, you're not going to have another for the CEO, potentially. Cool. We will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsor, Next Issue. This episode of Adulthood Made Easy is sponsored by Next Issue. Next Issue is like Netflix for magazines, only better, with access to all the latest issues of your favorite magazines, magazines like Real Simple. In the latest June issue of Real Simple, you can find an article about a big closet makeover, and if you're anything like me, you still haven't done spring cleaning, so it's great for figuring out how to streamline your clothes, get everything organized, and you can binge read anytime, anywhere, on your iPhone, iPad, or Android tablet or smartphone. It doesn't get any more convenient. Plans start as low as $9.99, and you can share an account with up to five people. With Next Issue, you get instant and unlimited access to current and back issues, all in one place for one price. That's over 150 magazines for less than the price of two magazines at a newsstand. Search for travel ideas, recipes, workout tips, and more. Plus, there are bonus videos, photos, and interactive features. Go to nextissue.com simple for your free 30-day trial and get all your favorite magazines anytime, anywhere. That's a $15 savings. It's a great deal, but it's only available if you go to nextissue.com simple. Sign up today. So back to the idea of of things you can expect to be asked in an interview, how do you discuss your qualifications and your experiences without just regurgitating what's already on your resume? Because I think that something I've heard from people I spoke to about this was that they don't they already know, they can read, so they know that you were president of this, you know, your news editor of the newspaper, president of this club and they know that you interned here, but how do you talk about your experiences without being too repetitive? I think what's most interesting and most um, makes the biggest impression as well are kind of hearing those stories or the moments. So I would say look at the experiences, and to your point, they can see exactly if you were an intern at XYZ, you did X, Y, and Z. But what was the moment or what was the highlight of that internship that you really loved? And maybe it could be something as simple as you had the opportunity to attend a conference that the company put on and live tweet from it. Or you had the ability to manage a team of 10 people even at your summer camp and you found 
that fact of managing them, organizing their schedule, dealing with that, really energizing for you. So I would give the, what's the moment instead, you know, our resumes are full of bullet points and, and milestones, but what are the, what's the moments that make up those milestones? And so I would, I would call that out because I do think also we talk a lot about storytelling at Lavo and it's not the facts that stick with someone. It's the stories that you tell and the anecdotes. And that's what they're going to remember from any conversation you have. I have a technical question just yes. because I'm a type A personality and I really just like all the answers as clear as possible. How long should your answers be? Like if they tell you, tell me about a highlight, you know, from your past experiences, how long can you talk before you're like rambling on? I'd say three minutes is probably a good mark. Cool. But it also depends on who you're talking to. Like if someone has a short attention span, I think you have to be hyper tuned in to body language. If they start shuffling around or crossing their legs or drinking a lot of water, I would, you know, shorten it up a little bit and be a little bit more succinct. If someone seems really engaged with what you're saying and has locked on eye contact, then you could probably talk a little longer. Um, but I would say two to three minutes is probably a good enough time period. You want you want it to be long enough that you are showing your personality, especially for entry-level jobs. So I think you don't want to be too concise so that you're not letting your personality shine, but you also don't want to ramble on because then you'll be labeled as potentially boring. Right. So sort of on the topic of a personality match, and this happened to me, I think a lot of times when you're just trying to get any interview you can, you're not always thinking about, is this my dream job? Is this the dream company? Is this the perfect fit for me? It's more like you're in that moment of panic where you just you need any interview is an interview. And I went on one and I sat down across from this the person who was interviewing me and to, it was no one's fault, but it was just very clear that we were not like it was not a match, like we weren't going to get along really well and like just. First, I can't ex- totally explain how, but there was like, like you mentioned, the body language thing. The job wasn't a totally perfect fit. And like from the second I sat down, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to get out of here. Like, this is so bad. So what do you do <laughs> if you sit down to an interview and, and it's just like starts out going downhill and doesn't stop? Well, I think you still have to put your best foot forward because mm-hmm. you never know, even if you don't click with this person, and they probably realize it as well, if you still impress them, at least with your knowledge and your professionalism, they might pass you on to someone else who you might be a better fit for. So you never want to kill your reputation by not putting your best foot forward in that. It's hard, though, because so much about interviewing is about the connection. I know right. there's been times when I've interviewed people and it's only been honestly five minutes into the conversation and I'm like, oh gosh, I need to still fill 25 minutes of this. Yeah. So I think it is hard when you realize pretty early on that it's not a good fit. So I would say as an interviewee, see what else you can get out of it. You know, every interview you go on is good practice. And I know even later in my career, I've been thrown some interview questions that I've never heard before. And so it was good to hear that and to try and answer. And so if next time I'm in a better interview situation, I know how to answer that. So I would say just ask the person a lot of questions. Hear more about what 
a day is like at, for them at that company. Maybe just try to find out as much as you can about the company itself, because if you're still interested in the company, there might be another role in a different arm of the organization that you'll be up for an interview for. And it might not be with this person, but at least you could gain some knowledge there. What were, just because I heard you mention it, what are is either one or some of the hardest interview questions you've ever been asked? Okay, I'll give you the hardest one. One of them, the hardest interview question I was asked was <laughs> if other people, it's, it's kind of convoluted, so stay, stick with me for a second. Sure. If other people, if, if he or she were to ask other people about me, what would they say that would be the biggest misconception of me? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> How did you answer it? You know, it, it took me a little bit because it was a tough question. It was a stumper. And so I took a breath, I thought, for a second because I, you, what you don't want to do is start rambling on an answer because then you kind of put yourself down a rabbit hole that you might not actually want to be in. So it's much better to fill the space by saying, wow, that's a really interesting question. I haven't been asked that before to buy yourself some time. I said that I thought people would say I'm too nice. And I think it's actually a misconception that I think I am a very nice person and I am a big team player and I think people enjoy working with me, but I'm tougher than I think some people realize. And I guess this probably is a good time to talk about what happens if you completely just get not give the wrong answer, but just stutter and can't get your brain together and can't think of a good way to answer a question and you catch yourself kind of running on it, but you just you don't have a good answer. Like even taking two seconds to think about it, it just it slipped in your research and you didn't think about it and you don't know what to say. I would say prepare an answer that it doesn't matter what the question is. So ahead of time, you can flip or twist any question. And there's been times when I've interviewed people and they haven't directly answered what I asked, but I was impressed with their answer, so it was kind of okay in the end. So I would say come to the table with the answer to a question about what makes you a better candidate and right for this job over somebody else. Or you can also, a really good tactic is to flip the question on them. So if they ask you, what are your career goals? And you say you don't have a good answer for that, which you should, but you don't (laughs) have a good answer for that. You could always flip it and say something like, well, where do you see this role going in a couple of years? And what type of person do you really see succeeding in this role? So you can come up with nuanced ways, I think, to either ask a follow-up question about it or just even just spin it slightly in your favor. I asked people, similarly to how I asked you, what the hardest question they were ever asked in an interview. And some were kind of out of the box. Like I know some companies will ask you, how many lamps or street lamps are in Chicago? Oh, yes. Like things like that. I don't, I didn't count because I was like, I don't even know how to answer that. But yeah. the two that I got, and I'm curious if you know how you would answer these, um, I think are very common and I think everyone should be ready to answer. One is either some version on what is your biggest weakness or tell me about a time that you failed. 
how do you answer that without coming off like a, <laughs> like a weak person or, or a failure? You know, failure is not a weakness in my mind. So if you answer that second part, tell me about a time you failed with a story about a time you failed and then how you recovered quickly and learned something big from it that led to success, you know, that makes, in my mind, a really strong employee because you are accepting of failure, not scared of it, and able to see it as an opportunity. In terms of your biggest weakness, I think, again, you can kind of flip the question to your favor. And we have this app called Thinking Talents, and it's it's a lot about discovering what energizes you and your natural ways that your brain thinks. So you could say that, you know, I'm least energized by making spreadsheets all day. I've learned to do it and I'm very organized and I will do it, but I am much more motivated in a brainstorming session where we're all being creative with ideas. So I think if you phrase it like that, that not that it's a weakness for you, it just isn't where your passion is or what really motivates you. And then end with the positive of, but actually here is what really motivates me. Cool. And then the other question is, do you have any questions? Which I was told today by someone that she has never hired a person who didn't have any questions when she asked that. So I agree with that. Right. So that seemed, but at the same time, you're kind of like, I, that's always something I struggle with coming up with, and I try to come up with those ahead of time, but you're like, I don't really know what to ask. <laughs> so what do, what do you ask in that case? Well, I think, and you said this earlier, and I totally agree with you, that you're just in the mindset of, I got to get this job, and I will say anything and do anything to nail this interview to get this job. But I think people and interviewers will respect you more if you show them that you're also interviewing them for the job. So I think it's really smart to ask about the culture of the company and ask a lot about the job itself, like what's the day in the life of this role? What are the most important things that this person should focus on in the first 30 days of this job? And just get a real sense of the expectations of the role and also what is the environment around it? So if it's a culture, if it's a startup culture where everyone's expected, you know, to perform 24 hours a day, then you need to know that. I mean, yes, you can do that with some of your research, but it's really good to hear the person interviewing really explain what it's like to work there and what a day in the life is like so you can get a good sense of it. I think also the one question I would say someone should always ask, and this also refers back to your point, if you falter a little bit in the interview at any point, Mm -hmm. you should always end the question session with, do you have any reservations about my fit for this role, my experience, or anything like that? Because that puts the interviewer on the spot, but it gives them a chance basically tell you what they're thinking already and gives you a chance to correct it. So it gives you the opportunity to leave the interview on a note where you want it to be, where you're really leaving them with the best image of yourself rather than them leaving with any concerns. That's a great one. I love that one. And it's you kind of get feedback in, in real time. And if you had one 
kind of piece of the best interview advice you've ever received or ever given? What is that one piece of advice that people can take away from this and think about before they head to their next job interview? Always send a thank you note. I think it can be an email. I have interviewed many people, even if it's an informational interview, even if it's something very informal, I think a thank you note goes a long way. And again, it can be an email. I don't expect a handwritten thank you note because frankly, by the time it comes, you're they might way think out you of, forgot. Yeah, and like you're way out of consciousness. You know, when I do get a thank you note in the mail, sometimes I'm like, oh, oh, that's right. That happened last week. Time goes way too fast. So I think a follow-up email the same day is the best you can do in terms of leaving a, a great first impression. Great. I love that. So just as a little exercise to see if I've retained all of the great information you've given today. Would you be able to ask me one of your harder interview questions and maybe coach me through my answer, see what I come up with? Yes. Well, I think actually, if you don't mind, I think the hardest question is tell me about yourself. Uh, Okay. Tell you about myself. (laughs) Um. I was a journalism major in undergrad, and while we focused a lot on writing and traditional media, I loved digital, and I've really grown to love not just writing for digital, but all of the exciting other opportunities that it offers, like podcasting, like social media, and I think that my passions have really started to lie in how you build a brand with all of those things and not just what what people are writing, but what people are sharing and tweeting and how to create conversations that your audience will want to engage in. And, and that's sort of what I, where I've, my strengths lie, where my passions lie, what I want to learn about. And (laughs) that's me. You can't see my face is really red right now, but you can't see it. Oh, I think that's terrific. I mean, you said, you know, you summed up, you went to journalism school, you have that background. I I think you could tighten up the second half of it, which is really about, you know, there's some good phrases or catchphrases that I think people can use, like storytelling. So if you say, I love bringing conversations to people, and I really see myself as building brands that are telling stories and growing huge audiences. And then you leave it at that, and I'm like, okay, great. She's got major digital chops. She's really interested in digital content, social marketing, new technologies, and I think she would be a huge asset on my digital team. Cool. Thanks. Yay. And that was, I think, all we had. I had for you today. I really appreciate your time. You had so many good things to say, all things I wish I knew nine months ago when I was interviewing like crazy. All things I wish I knew 10 years ago, too. It's, it's amazing what, how a little bit of time in the workforce really does help. Great. Well, thank you very much, Kathleen. Okay, thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining me today for Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover next time, tweet them to me at Sam Zabel, and I'll add them to my list. Our producer is Tim Einenkel. If you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes. And don't forget to buy a copy of the book that has all the answers, The Real Simple Guide to Real Life, which you can get wherever books are sold. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll have more answers next time.